Football! America's live and underway here on ESPN+. Plus. In the aftermath, as you just saw, of El Clásico Nacional down in Liga MX. Herc, it was a good weekend for fans of Club America. Was it a good weekend for you? It was a good weekend for me. It was fight week for me. It was mm. Campeones Cup fight week, obviously, New York City versus Atlas. And then I went to Las Vegas for Canelo. Versus Triple G. But I saw somebody from the soccer world there. I saw a few people, actually. Oh, okay. Maybe we'll get into that uh, later in the show. Before we move on, what exactly are you wearing? Because it feels like a, like a fresh kid day here on Football America. So, true story. Uh, mm -hmm. I think when I ordered this beauty, they wow. were still in the Serie A. It just got in town. <laughs> <laughs> Literally got in town when I was... Uh, when I was away, and I was like, oh, I forgot I ordered that. So thanks to the good people of Venezia. All right. Uh, I don't have any good people at Venezia, but my friends bring me jerseys when they go to Europe. Shout out to my boy Jose. Uh, went to what Sevilla. Brought me this. Uh, it's, a, it's the new Sevilla. Can I get all the way around? You see there? Tecatito. There you go. There Hopefully go. it brings that man some luck. Yes, yes. Maybe a, a miracle recovery ahead of the World Cup. Speaking of, lots to come in this show. Juan Carlos Osorio is going to join us, uh, the former Mexican national team manager, to discuss El Tri's most pressing issue, the number nine mm. position. We also had, Herc, a decisive weekend across Major League Soccer. Three teams seeing their playoff hopes evaporate. Two of them, Herc among your many former employers. And in the <laughs> National Women's Soccer League, we had a record-setting crowd in San Diego as the California expansion wars continue between Angel City and Wave Football Club. But we start, Herc, with Americans abroad, specifically a man who has been tearing it up of late, Jordan Peefock. Another big weekend for the American striker and his team, Union Berlin. They were hosting Wolfsburg on Sunday. Peefock in the starting lineup. And on the score sheet, Herc, giving Union the 1-0 lead there in the 54th minute. Pretty good finish. That's about as good as a finish as you're going to see from that angle. Ridiculous finish. Great run, great awareness, anticipation. A diving-esque, flicked-on header, if you will. It's a golasso. Yep, his third Bundesliga goal of the season to go uh -oh. along with uh -oh. three assists. Union Berlin, they went on to win 2-0. Now top of the Bundesliga and clearly feeling themselves <laughs> on Twitter, reminding <laughs> uh, the U.S. men's national team Twitter account that both Union Berlin and Jordan Pifak still exist and are still scoring. So Herc Pifak with another goal. But of course, as we know, he was left off the latest U.S. roster that has a lot of fans worried about the idea that he could miss out on Qatar. What do you think? Should U.S. fans be worried about PFOC missing out, or is his ticket still secure? Not only should U.S. men's national team fans, excuse me, be worried, but if I were mm -hmm. Jordan PFOC, I would be livid. What else do I have to do? I am literally the only forward who has not gone cold. I'm literally the guy who has been so hot, I won a goal scoring title in Europe. The first time a US men's national team player, or eligible player, has won a goal scoring title mm -hmm. in Europe. I'm that guy. And I'm scoring goals in the Bundesliga. My team is atop of the Bundesliga, not Bayern Munich. A and all of a sudden I'm being treated like my goals don't matter? Mm -hmm. Like I'm mm -hmm. some scrub? What are you holding a miss? in Estadio Azteca against Mexico against me? If that's the case, why not hold when I came on as a sub versus Honduras in the semifinal of the CONCACAF Nations League to win the game for me? This man has done nothing but score goals and somehow that is being held against him. 
So I feel like we've started to have this discussion of whether it's PFOC or Pepe, Herc, but I wonder if actually it's not about PFOC. I wonder if the true debate here for who that third forward is gonna be is actually between Pepe and Sargent, in which case I would tell US fans, don't worry so much about the possibility of PFOC being left off this team. I say that in large part, Herc, because of what Greg Berhalter told us after he made the decision, which is, look, I've seen what I need to see out of Jordan PFOC. We know his profile. And also, Herc, that we've seen everything that we need to see out of him to make the decision as to whether he's going to be on the World Cup or not. Greg Berhalter's not saying that if he's already ruled Jordan Pifak out. It's pretty clear to me that he's still got him counted and that actually he's taking this opportunity to look at two other guys who haven't proven it in a while and who he needs to see if they're ready for the World Cup in Pepe and Josh Sargent. You think I'm wrong? That's, I just got deja vu and goosebumps. Did he not say the exact same thing about John Brooks? Did he not already know what John Brooks was about and wanted to see somebody else? How did that go for John Brooks? It didn't go well. Okay. I, think, I think they're very different. I think it's very different. I think if you're, if you're Jordan Pifak and you want to worry, or if a U.S. fan and you want to worry, there is a Greg Berhalter quote that I think might make you worry quite a bit. And that's the idea that he's going out saying, look, it may not be the best forwards. It may be the guys that best fit this system. And I wonder there, Herc, what you think about that. Because that seems to imply that the system and Greg Berhalter's focus on the system is more important than production. And that's where you might get nervous, that maybe Greg Berhalter sees the system as more important than what is obvious to all of us, the thing we can see on paper, which is goals, and not just goals, Herc, but goals in a top-five league. Yeah, and he's not the only coach in the world. Luis Enrique literally had this conversation, I believe, yesterday or two days ago, and he was saying the same thing. He's saying, as clear as water, I call who I want because I think they will help me do what I want in said system. This is pretty much what Greg Berhalter is saying here. At some level, you have to respect it, but just say that. Just say, I want this player. Mm. I like what he does in said system. I don't care how many goals you score. But it's not been that. It's been one after the other with the inconsistencies from... John Brooks to what is Jordan Pifak. All right, so there we have it. Uh, Jordan Pifak still scoring, still not on the U.S. roster. For the upcoming friendlies, we don't know about the World Cup coming up in Qatar. We got some more U.S. roster news coming in today as the team gathers for their upcoming friendlies. Multiple players in and out of the latest camp due to injury. We got Yunus Musa, who was dropped last week with a groin injury. He's replaced by Johnny Cardozo, a 20-year-old born in New Jersey, playing right now for Internacional in Brazil. Also in, Mark McKenzie and Eric Palmer Brown, the central defenders, replacing Cameron Carter-Vickers and Chris Richards. Those who are fit, they gather today in Germany for training. Among them, Brendan Aronson and Matt Turner, who spoke to the media. I think the message is clear, and it has been since uh, we played those friendlies back in June. Um, it's another opportunity for us to get out on the field against teams that are going to be playing in the World Cup, um, test ourselves against opponents from a different region that we don't often uh, play against. And, um, and yeah, I think that that's the big, that's the big picture of this one is, is playing World Cup caliber teams um, and getting together and, and creating those bonds still. And for me, I think that I think that Greg does a great job with the intro to camps and what we want to do for the camp. But I also don't think he's going to treat it as any other camp. You know, I don't think he wants to put pressure on anything. I think that he does a really good job of just we're just going to play these two games. We're gonna we're gonna do what we've done in all the rest of the games, and we're gonna try to get the results that we want. And finally, that will transfer into going to the World Cup. So I don't think he's going to treat it as any differently.
All right, Herc, let's run it back. Hashtag USMNT style. One of the guys called in, Ricardo Pepe, with his first goal for Groningen over the weekend in a 2-1 loss to Sparta Rotterdam on Saturday. Yeah, it's a well-taken goal as well. Listen, first appearance, it's an assist. Second appearance, it's a goal. The last club goal for Ricardo Pepe was September 30th, 2021 against Sporting Kansas City, Seb. We're talking about almost a year. 30 matches for club and country, 345 days. That the total goal drought for Ricardo Pepe. But good news for the 19-year-old and for all U.S. fans as he finally breaks through for Groningen. Turns out Ricardo Pepe, though, not the only American to score over the weekend. No, Brian Reynolds, yes. Remember him on loan from Roma now with Westerloo in Belgium, scoring his first goal, and it came in the first minute. That's a good goal. That's a banger of a goal. No angle. You think he's going to slot this hard and across. He looks for it. He finds it. It's going to be tough, right? Not impossible, but tough. He's only played a couple games for the U.S. Men's National Team, but he'll take that goal for sure. Conference yeah, winner, by the way. Conference League winner. Outside looking in for 2022, maybe 2026 though. Westerloo, by the way, won that game 3-2. Serginho Dest made his Serie A debut for AC Milan, coming on at the half in Milan's 2-1 loss to Napoli. He did her concede a penalty. Yeah, five minutes in, now what you want to do. Milan, by the way, having a rough go against Napoli, uh, at least at home. That's a third straight loss. Try guarding that guy. Uh, ask Joe Gomez how that went for him. Uh, Dest, by the way, hasn't played a ton, but says he wants to make the move to Milan permanent. Of course, he is right now on loan from Barcelona. Finally, Herc, in case you missed it, Daryl DK is the strongest player in the world, at least according to the FIFA 23 video game player ratings. DK has a strength rating of 96, tied with Thomas Corey, who plays in England's third tier as the strongest players in the upcoming release. He takes over for the legend Adebayo. Yeah, uh, U.S. Men's National Team fans and West Brom fans would wish he was the healthiest player in the world. Mm. Has only played one game, missed 12 this season. As you mentioned, out long term then with a thigh injury. One last reminder, the United States against Japan this Friday on ESPN2. It's an early start. Next to last game before Greg Berhalter has to make those final World Cup roster decisions. Plus, Football America is live right after the game on ESPN+. Don't miss a very special edition of the show. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. 
Joining us now on Football America is none other than Juan Carlos Osorio. He is, of course, the former manager of the Mexican national team. And, Herc, we have some big show news to announce. He's also going to be the manager of our team here on Football Americas. That's right. Profe is going to join us in the build-up to and in Qatar for our World Cup coverage. So, Juan Carlos, bienvenido al equipo de Football Americas. Great to have you. Likewise, uh, it is an honor to be with you, Sebastian, and with Hercules, and try to give good information in to the whole uh, soccer world in the United States and uh, whatever we get to. Uh, I hope that we can uh, uh, contribute to a good debate and hopefully a healthy debate about football and about uh, the topics that we're going to cover today. I am very proud to be with you two and with the rest of the American uh, U.S. football, soccer, football, and I will try to contribute the most I can. We know you will do that. Okay, Profe, so you know the Mexican national team fan base very, very well. You know it can be pessimistic. It can at times have lots of tension, anxiety. There's a position right now, the striker position, the number nine position that has all L3 fans worried big time ahead of the World Cup. From a managerial standpoint, you've been in that spot. How worried are you about Mexico's striker position right now? Well, I I was reviewing uh, uh, what I have to say, and the first thing I would have to mention is we all have to put the things in context. And uh, last year, I mean, last World Cup, the final list was about was uh, made up of 23 players. This time around, it's 26. So, to be honest, I wouldn't be too to be too much uh, worry about because I think that um, at least there are three more spots to decide of who could be the, the next striker in this case or who could be the next uh, top three players that he that the manager wants to bring into the final list. Okay, well, let's start with the first nine then. Raul Jimenez, the man of the moment. You've coached Raul Jimenez, Profe. Tell me what you see from Raul Jimenez right now, the current player he is, after this incident with David Luis, and, and maybe what you coached. is How big of a difference is there from that Raul Jimenez today from that one? Well, I remember in, in Russia, uh, I spoke to Raul a couple times. And I always uh, uh, highlight his uh, his attributes as a football player. And I always said to him that all he had to do was to concentrate in his football and try to compete at that time with Chicharito. At this time, it would be against anybody else. I think the the Raul has a, a dominant. Uh, a real football, uh, meaning headers. He's very good defensively and offensively. He can also score some wonderful goals, but he can also score, as they say, the strikers' normal goals. So I think that um, if he 
can uh, concentrate his in his football in the next two months, I think that he could be the uh, the number one striker in the national team. Mm. All right, what about a guy, Profe, like Santiago Jimenez? He's a fan favorite right now. Scored goals for Cruz Azul, got the move over to the Dutch top flight, continues to score goals for Feyenoord. Do you think he's ready to lead the line potentially as a starter at the World Cup for Mexico, or do you think he still has more development to go before he's ready to take on that responsibility? As you all know, um, the, um, the manager has to select the team on on uh, on form right now here and the uh, here and now and i think he's uh, he has he he combines the the two good attributes in a in a goal scorer and just as a from probably from his father genes and he's very uh, strong on leading the lineup, he is a he's a guy that can put pressure on on the defenders, and he can also score good goals. So, we if the manager, who at the end is the one who decides everything, the wants to to have a, one striker on form. So I think he could be the that striker. Hmm. Uh, the fact that he has gone to a good uh, European league and he has adapt, adapted really well that proves that he can that he can play and he can be the uh, influential player at the top level um, but that again that does that the, the, 20, the, the 26 spot uh, allows the manager to take some chances and he could be well the player that he can decide that will take his his chances on and and deserve it because he has proved that he has played at that level. Juan Carlos, uh, I don't think I'm crazy in saying he's probably only going to take three nines. So if that's the case, and you have Raúl and Santi, another guy who's in form is Henry Martín. Henry Martin is the informed striker right now, but Tata Martino seems to really trust Rogelio Funes Mori. Who would you, Juan Carlos Osorio, give the edge to? Henry Martin or mm. Funes Mori? Well, I think that uh, in the past, um, um, the, the manager of the national team has been questioned if he wants to to bring in a, a naturalized player. And that will be the, the, the case with uh, Rogelio Funes Mori. Uh, now, I think that Henry Martin has proved in America that he can play at that top level, uh, that he can score good goals. So I think that the end of the day, and that's my point, is not really what I think he, he should do, but is the manager's decision. And I think that either or he will, he will, I think he will be a good player to add to the 20, to the list. And he could be a, a, a player. I will say that to, um, to, to, obviously you are asking me and I have to make a decision. If, 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 
that has to be that would be my decision I will wait until the the last week of the mm. final week of the uh, making the, the final list and whoever is in better form I will go for it mm. Profe, speaking about big managerial decisions, one of the biggest ones that Tata Martino has taken so far is the decision to leave Chicharito Hernandez off the team. As somebody who has coached Chicharito, what do you think when you see him not in the World Cup squad as we head towards Qatar? And do you think that Mexico could benefit from having a player like Chicharito in the team? I do think so. I think um, Javier can still score good goals. Uh, looking at his last uh, games, he will look three and five, or uh, sorry, three in five or eight in eight. I will stay with the eight and eight, and he's playing in a in a very competitive league. But the one thing about Javier is that I do believe that he has to be, he has to feel. Um, important uh, to give his 100%. And that will, again, that will be uh, a decision that the, that the manager, a top manager, which I have to say, I think Martino is a top manager and he will make the, the final decision um, looking at the, what's the best for the team. But I think Javier, with the national team, has always give, given his 100% and he can still play at that level. And if he knows as early as possible that he will be part of it, I think he will be in top form for that, for that big tournament. And he will, be, he will provide the national team, whether he, start or he starts or not, he will give his 100%, and I think he, that 100% will reflect on some goals, as we know, that he can score at that level. Juan Carlos Osorio, you've been in this position right now. Tata Martino having to make a decision late. Greg Berhalter's in the exact same position. Anything he does or they do will be criticized. What advice would you give either of those two heading into this final stretch? To be honest with you, Hercules, I think that um, I am not the, the, the person to tell them what to do. But I do think that both managers are top managers. And in this case, Mr. Martino is, is, a, is a man with plenty of experience. And I think to, to manage and to coach a top team like Barcelona has given him the enough experience to decide what to do. I would just say, it if, in my humble opinion, is uh, whoever, if they have to make a decision in two or three players, I will, again, I will wait and I will follow up the next two months the competition that they play in. And whoever is in better form, that's the player that I will take for the World Cup. I like it. Juan Carlos Osorio likes to leave the door open as long as possible for the players ahead of a World Cup window. There he is, El Profe. Thanks for being with us here on Football Americas. And we look forward to working with you more on the road to Qatar.
All right, Herc, time to run it back now with El Tri. Diego Lainez with an assist for Sporting Braga. They beat Vizela. 2-0 on Sunday. Lainez didn't start. He was a 71st-minute sub. That's usually how I got my assist when I was playing. Just give this to somebody else who knows what they're doing. Braga right now second in Portugal. Off to a, a good start with Diego Lainez in the team. They are two points back of your league leaders, Benfica. Speaking of Linus, his former team playing Wednesday in the League's Cup Showcase. That's right, Club América against Nashville. Also, Chivas against FC Cincinnati. A nice little doubleheader for you on ESPN2. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Herc, it was a weekend of big games in Liga Mekis. None bigger than El Clásico Nacional. America versus Chivas at the Azteca. Picked this one up early, two minutes in. America draws a penalty. Henry Martin kicking the box. They got it right, yeah? Yeah, they got it right. And Henry Martin is not going to miss this one like he did his last penalty. That's 10 on the year right now. My man is hot. 10 goals, 5 assists this season for Henry Martin. America up 1-0. Second half, America find a second. Alejandro Sendejas with the finishing touch. Yeah, look at Henry use his body, though. Bring this down. Sendejas with the right foot. Megs the defender. You talk about hot Sendejas. That is the man. All right, three minutes after America scored the play of the game. Luis Olivas, the header. Memo Ochoa, the save. Eh, the save? Eh. Yeah, I'll say it again for you authoritatively. The save. 61st minute, Chivas get one. Alexis Vega, the set piece. Chicote Calderon, Aguilas killer. Chicotazos. It's always him. It's always him. In the end, though, not enough. Final score, 2-1. America, Nene Beltran sent off late for Chivas as they finished with 10 men. Also of note, my book it parlay hit. Both teams to score, plus America to win. All right, Herc. It's a common theme down in Mexico after America gets a big victory. Was this win by Las Aguilas worthy of a referee-aided asterisk? No, America won. 
That's uh, right. But you have to put things into context. Uh, mm. They won because VAR was correctly applied here. And that's not been the case in Liga Mekis for quite some time. If the referee would have called goal, there is no evidence to overturn that it wasn't a goal. You have one take, one toma, one image where you're just like, that's not in. I can see the post. But then you have a completely different image, this one right here, where you're like, how is this not a goal? So because the first call was no goal, there is no clear and obvious mm -hmm. proof to overturn that call. You have to stay with it. But it's one of those calls. Here we are, two, three days later, and we are still arguing about it. If it gets called a goal, I have zero issue with it because you cannot overturn it. That is what VAR is for. There is no legal proof to overturn it with the letter of the law. So correctly applied here, it is no goal. Chivas, though, I thought they mm -hmm. played well. And I thought at times they actually got America, that defensive line, very nervous. Mm -hmm. We'll still go home empty-handed. All right, no way there should be an asterisk by this victory uh, for America. It's the same cheap discourse we always see when a big club wins. You don't just see it in Mexico. Uh, you see it all over the world as well. Anybody who watched this game as well will know that probably the best player on the field, at least for Chivas, at least in the first half, was Wacho Jimenez, their goalie. America definitely deserved the three points uh, in this game. They were by far the better team, Herc. I wonder, though, if we think about this, like, why isn't there goal line technology in Liga Mekis? This is not a third-rate league, right? Liga Mekis wants to be considered top dog, at least uh, in this hemisphere, in this, in this part of the world. Shouldn't it have goal line technology? And if so, shouldn't a team like Chivas, which is in theory one of the biggest brands in Mexican football, be leading the charge instead of complaining after a game like this? Yeah, I don't think it, they're complaining. I think it's the fans who complain that have every right to complain. Let me ask you a question. I agree with goal line technology. If it's a first-rate league that you presume to be in top mm -hmm. clubs like America and Chivas, you would want said technology to aid in correcting a decision. Uh, if this gets called as a goal, mm -hmm. do you think there's enough evidence to overturn it? No, I think the point that you made is, is correct. I think there's more evidence that suggests it wasn't a goal. I think there's one very clear freeze frame where if you stop it from the upper angle, it might look like a goal. I think there's much more evidence that suggests it wasn't a goal and that was a, another great save by Memo Choa. By the way, we've seen him do that a lot, especially uh, in big games. Let's hope he can carry it over to the Mexican national you team as something well. Else. All right, let's, let's stop talking about Chivas' on-field drama, because there certainly was some there. Let's focus now on their off-field drama, because there's plenty of it right now coming off of this game uh, in the Mexican press. Amaury Vergara, Chivas' owner, apparently not at the Clásico Nacional Saturday night in Mexico City. Why? Ah, because he was in Las Vegas hanging out with Hercules Gomez, Mauricio Pedrosa, everybody else at the Canelo Gennady Golovkin boxing fight. Vergara getting hammered by Chivas fans online as well as the press down in Mexico. Herc, are you cool with Vergara skipping out on the biggest game to watch the big fight? Yeah, I'm cool with it. What's the owner of a team going to do? Cheer louder so they can try scoring more? Uh, what's he going to yell? Hey, defend that guy so they're better at defense? Listen, he's the owner of the team. Bring out the checkbook, okay? Do mm -hmm. what you need to do. And then the transfer windows, in one transfer window, he spent over $40 million internally to try to bring in players, overpriced players. He brought in Ricardo Pelaez, the hottest directivo sporting director in Liga Mexico to write the ship. There's only so much he can do. If mm. he's there or not, it's not going to change anything for Chivas. I mean, this is the owner of a team. It's not the center back. 
It's not the starting forward. Okay. It's not anything like that. It's ridiculous. And I understand. It's a terrible look. You know what's a terrible look? Hmm. Chivas in the last eight, nine years. This season, decent. Okay, let me ask you this from the player's perspective because you were pretty upset when we saw those Chivas players have to march out and do that press conference mea culpa. And I think we both agreed we felt like that had come or at least the, the idea for that had come from somewhere on high. That was not something that was born of the dressing room, born of the players. If you're one of those players who after a loss like that had to go out and do this kind of ridiculous, embarrassing mea culpa, and then in your biggest game, not just your biggest game, the biggest game in Mexican soccer, the owner, the guy who's probably the one pushing for you to do that mea culpa, is in Las Vegas watching a fight. That's not going to tick you off a little bit you, as a you player. You're going to play harder because he's there? No, I'm not going to play harder because he's there. But the next time they come to me and they ask me to, to march out there and give a pathetic post-game apology, I'm not going to be very happy about it. And oh, I'm going to remember gonna this. Very happy I'm going to remember it. this. Uh, Mauri Vergara is going to be very, very distraught that you're not going to be very mm -hmm. happy about it. Mm -hmm. Another embarrassment, Herc. Another embarrassment for Chivas. And I say this. I say this as somebody with, uh, how, do I, how do I put this, Americanista tendencies, tendencies uh, here on Football America. I wish Chivas, I wish Amaury Vergara would sell the team. I wish that, that Chivas would be great because and I think that's what's good for Mexican soccer. Is, I think in the past, uh, you mentioned change? the 40 million, you mentioned the 40 million. In the past, we've questioned whether Vergara had the resources. I think when he goes to a fight instead of the big game, now you can also question his commitment. Oh. So as somebody who wants the best for Mexican soccer, I want a better own. Except you want the owner. You think of every he's the team. right owner for? You, you think want he's the, the owner of every team at every game? Okay, that's what you want. No, I want the owner of the of the second biggest club in Mexico at the biggest game in Mexico to be there, especially when the team is struggling on, like it Seb. is. Especially on, when that. Seb. If he sells a team, nothing is going to change because the new owner is going to come in, and what are you going to tell the new owner to do? Go mm. out and get a good sporting director. Go out and get somebody to write the ship. So he goes out and gets the best sporting director in the market. Go out and get the best available players. So that sporting director gets the best available players. Go out and get the best coach available to you right now. It's all been done. Their problems rung much deeper than the owner. Deeper than the owner. There you have it. Uh, Hercules Gomez defending Amaury Vergara here on Football Americas. Elsewhere, Herc, in Liga Mekis. We had another big game in Mexico City on Sunday. Cruz Azul visiting Pumas, who needed points badly to have a, a shot at the playoffs. Unfortunately for them, it was Cruz Azul scoring first in the 26th minute. Rodrigo Huescas. Yeah, this is bad defending there. I mean, Huescas over... Three players, look at that. Gets inside of his defender. Julio Gonzalez can't do anything about it. Off the crossbar and in. Cruz Azul up 1-0. They make it two just before the half. Gonzalo Carneiro. Who do you want to blame here? Uh, near post, the Danny owner. Alves. I want to blame the owner. <laughs> you would. <laughs> Dineno, uh, Julio Gonzalez coming out there, not holding on to that ball. I mean, where do we start? Who must get one back in the 65th. Danny Alves, nice touch over the top. Diogo, the rebound. Yeah, eh, eh. Cata Dominguez maybe a little at fault here. It's unlucky, but JJ Macias, or sorry, Macias, Corona was massive the whole second half. Unlucky there. And so there you have it. It's a uh, Cruz Azul victory, the final score, 2-1. to one. All right, uh, as we think about Pumas, Herc, we know that it was a marriage of convenience between Pumas and the Brazilian star, Danny Alves. As we now look back on that marriage, who do you think was a bigger loser? Is it the club? Or is it the player? You know, bigger loser, the club or the player, I'm going to say it's the player. Mm. Now, 
<laughs> bear with me of where I'm gonna go with this, okay? We knew it was a bad idea. You don't spend $3.5 million a year, okay? That's what you're gonna pay him in a salary for Danny Alves, a 39-year-old player. To come into a team that has historically been young players, dynamic players, all work, that type of environment. And Lilini's team, who's literally, everybody has to work for the system, for the team to be constructive. But if I'm Danny Alves, and I'm 39 years old, and I'm thinking about a World Cup, I'm thinking, Pumas has just cost me my chance at a World mm. Cup. And not only that, Danny Alves, who has the record for the most titles in the world, okay? 17 straight years of earning a title. Since 2005, he's won a title, at least one, every single year. That's 47 titles. All of a sudden, it's going to end in Mexico, mm. in Liga Mekis with Pumas? With Puma, seriously, they could really cost me that streak. They could really cost me a World Cup spot because nothing's guaranteed under TJ. Nothing's guaranteed under this Brazil, who one of the favorites in Qatar. If I'm Danny Alves, I don't care how much money they're paying me. I feel like a big loser with Pumas. Yep. He was called up in June to the Brazilian national team. He joins Pumas in July. And then for their latest roster call-up, he's left out. So you just do the math there. You follow the, the timeline and you say, okay, yeah, the move to Liga Mekis may very well have cost Danny Alves this shot. For those of you uh, who watch ESPN FC. They had a Brazilian journalist on today. They were talking about the right back position. The one line he gave about Danny Alves is he went to Mexico and he's playing poorly. So that's what they think in Brazil of what Danny Alves has been playing here. He's also been playing out of position, at least uh, from a Brazilian national team perspective. So I think it's very much hurt him there. And I have... Pumas has definitely gotten worse with Danny Alves, yes. but I have no problem, Herc, with the attempt. It's a home run swing. When you take a home run swing, there's a chance you whiff. But how many times on this show have we said, Pumas is bordering on irrelevant. Of, of Los Grandes, they're the team that we talk about the least. Going out and getting a, a player like Danny Alves, even if it was $3.5 million a year, which is a lot for Pumas, still says something about their place in Mexican soccer and the world game. I don't have a problem for it for, for, from a Pumas perspective in that regard. I thought it was ambitious, and I think if you're a fan of Pumas, that's what you'd want to see, right? Well, he's not the only player they took a, a, an ambitious swing at. They actually spent money in this offseason, and mm -hmm. I think that's what makes it even worse. For the first time in a long time, they tried to be relevant, and they've not gotten anywhere. And you mentioned the position that Danny Alves plays. He's a right back, but he started off as a defensive midfielder. Then he started off as an eight. And so recently, we've seen him play behind the striker, behind the nine position, almost in that creative role. But he's played 92% of the minutes. He's 39 years old, playing in altitude, playing in smog, playing in these crazy conditions with this crazy travel, and it's not been conducive to him or the club. And that being said, he leads Pumas in assists with four. Yeah. He may also not be out of the World Cup picture entirely. I was looking at the Brazil roster. Danilo is the only, like, true yeah. right back that they Fabinho have in the list of played defenders. Right back as well, yeah. But, but, you know, he could still have very much a, a shot at making the team for the upcoming World Cup. Pumas, by the way, right now 16th, Herc, out of 18 teams in the Mexican table. Three games left. So Andres Lilini's squad still alive, but they got a, a lot of work to do. Atlas, meanwhile, they've been eliminated. There will be no three-peat. They lost to Rayados, who are just one point back of America at the top of Liga MX.
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. All right, time for some Major League Soccer. As always, we bring it to you in the form of the good, the bad, and the ugly. The good, an MVP frontrunner showdown on Saturday in Austin as Austin FC's Sebastian Drussi and Nashville's Hani Mukhtar went toe-to-toe. Mukhtar scored first via penalty, his 23rd goal of the season. Five minutes later, Drussi leveled the match at 1-1, his 21st goal of the season. The game finished in a 1-1 draw between these two top four teams in the Western Conference. Herc, just a few games left, so who are you giving the MLS MVP nod to between Driussi and Mukhtar, or are you going with someone off the board? This is a tough one, right? Because if you look what Sebastian Driussi has done uh, with this, uh, this team right now in Austin, it is crazy. The turnaround is insane. I believe mm-hmm. they were like second to last in the West last year to now I mean, pretty much chasing LAFC for that final uh, or a top spot in the West. It's a crazy turnaround. But I think about Sebastian Andrusi and where Austin would be with them, they would probably still be a very good team, Mm. especially playing in Mm. that place. Mm. But this Nashville team, without, what is it, 23 goals, 11 assists of Hani, Mm -hmm. uh, Hani Mukhtar, where would they be? Their second leading goal scorer has like five goals. He is the offense for Nashville. He is the complete package for Nashville, which is an crazy or say insane amount of business when you think about it, crazy amount of business, where they purchased him from like $3 million from Bronny from Denmark. And he comes mm-hmm. in and look at these numbers. In, in about two and a half years, okay, 77 games, 43 goals, 27 assists. He's not only MVP for this year, He's one of the best pieces of business, one of the most important transfers or best transfers in Major League Soccer history. It's not only this year, but he's clearly, in my eyes, the front runner for Major League Soccer's MVP. He's got 14 goals in the last 15 appearances. It's something crazy for Nashville. He's my front runner. Yeah, if you go off stats, I think you got to give it to Mukhtar, right? Uh, he's got 34 goal involvements compared to just 28 for Driussi. But if you go beyond the stats, I might go with Driussi, and this is the argument that I would make. One, Austin's a better team. I think Driussi gets a lot of credit for that as their best player. Austin's a much better team right now than Nashville in terms of the Western Conference table. I think the other thing that's important to note here is Austin is two years into their build. Nashville is three years into their build. So Nashville, in theory, has had another year to put a team around a guy like Hani Mukhtar. 2020 build. Remember that. 
Okay, sure, you want to put an asterisk in there. That's fine. Your expansion year was 2020. Obviously, difficult to build a team. But still, I think Nashville had much higher expectations than Austin, for me anyway, coming into this season. Austin was 12th in the Western Conference last year. The one thing I'll agree with you on here is, is kind of what you talked about with the profile of the signings. These are two very interesting profile players. They both spent time in Europe. Obviously, Mukhtar started in Europe. Drusi went to Europe. And then come to Major League Soccer, I mean, Drusi's 26, Mukhtar's 27, so right in their mid-20s, it's a far cry, Herc, from, say, six years ago, what, when David Villa was winning MVP? Like, it's a totally different profile. For sure. It says a lot about what MLS is looking for as they go out and make these signings. Absolutely, and they're knocking out the park when you think they spent $3 million. It's just good scouting. It's, good. it's a good investment right there. It's, it's a great return, and it's a player you could build a franchise around for years to come. Hani Mukhtar, Sebastian Drusi, no doubt two of the good in Major League Soccer. What about the bad, Herc? What about the bad? We had three teams eliminated from playoff contention this past weekend. Sporting Kansas City, Chicago, and Toronto FC. TFC eliminated after a 4-0 defeat to Orlando on Saturday. Also eliminated after a huge summer transfer window that saw them bring in, among others, Italian internationals Lorenzo Insigne and Federico Bernardeschi. Herc, no playoffs for Toronto FC in Bob Bradley's first season. Do we consider it a failure in Toronto? No, I'm not ready to consider it a failure in Toronto because you knew that it was going to be up to the second half of the season. These The Italians, the, the reinforcers were going to come late. And listen, it's four losses in the final nine games, that final stretch, right? But if you look at it, it was only one loss in six, and then it just went off the rails, mm -hmm. starting with Montreal uh, and the other three in a row. So this is a team that was banking on the second half. It just was... Too little, too late. But if you look at reinforcements, Bernadeschi in 11 games, he ended up scoring something like nine goals or eight goals, excuse me, uh, four assists. Insigne, six goals. I mean, he was one goal behind Jimenez mm -hmm. and Osorio, who were the team leaders in that category. Mark Anthony K gets injured. Uh, Richie Larea comes back. It, it was just too little, too late. But this is a team that I think is going to be turning some heads next season. Uh, this is a team that can get better defensively and is going to be a contender in the East. But it was just asking way too much of them uh, to, to bank on the second half or the final stretch, if you will, of the season. I'm glad you mentioned Mark Anthony Kay and Richie Larea, right? Because it wasn't just the two Italians that came in. There's a lot of changes, a lot of, uh, a lot of upheaval that this Toronto FC team has gone through over the course of this season. I don't know if it reminded you at all of, of the end of the regular season last year with LAFC. Remember, they needed some points uh, at the end and end up shipping five. I think it was against Colorado to get eliminated. <laughs> from postseason contention, and it kind of happened here, although it didn't just happen against Orlando. It was, as you say, the last few games. They've shipped four goals in each of their last three games, which were effectively, as we see now, they're eliminated, must-wins for postseason contention. That, that's not yeah. something that I think Bob Bradley's going to feel very good about, that this team was, was that loose in these big games down the stretch. That, that cannot sit well with a coach like Bradley. No, absolutely not. But if you look at one of them, it was against your rivals, against Montreal, uh, a game that, mind you, you were winning. And, mm -hmm. and to have it turned around in your home field in front of your fans, it's not a good feeling. And then Atlanta, a team that you think on paper you definitely have a good chance against, puts four against you. And then Orlando is a team that's very difficult, Open Cup champions and whatnot, but you certainly do not expect in three games to give up 12 goals. Right. Uh, real quick here, because obviously we, you're right off this season, the guys come in late. Next season, playoffs are bust for Bradley and TFC, Absolutely. right? No excuses. Uh, but the 
there's you could put an asterisk on this season if you want, but there's really mm -hmm. no excuse this season. I just wouldn't consider it a failure. All right, uh, let's get to the ugly then. It features my beloved DC United, not for their latest defeat, unfortunately. They lost 3-2 to Inter-Miami over the weekend. The result, not the focus here. Instead, it's the incident between Damien Lowe and Taxi Fontas, in which Fontas is alleged to have racially abused the Jamaican international. Fontas subbed out of the match shortly after the incident, and on TV you could see uh, both managers as well as some Inter-Miami players coming together to discuss what had occurred. For more, let's hear from someone who was there, Bill Neville, the Inter-Miami manager, had this to say after the match. I think, I think there's no place at all for racism on a football field, in society. Uh, I've, I've just been speaking to the owners, all three owners, and uh, they 100% agree uh, that there's no, there's no way in the world that any form of racism should be happening on a football field. And, and I, must commend, I must commend my players for keeping their calm. I must commend the referee for uh, a really, really, really difficult situation. Uh, he, he followed the protocol set out by the MLS. Uh, and I must give massive, massive uh, respect to Wayne Rooney for dealing, dealing with it in the way that he did. Those are the words of Phil Neville. How about this from DeAndre Yedlin via Pablo Maurer at MLSist on Twitter. Yedlin saying Damien and another player got into a scuffle. As Damien walks away, one of their guys call him the N-word. Pretty clear uh, what DeAndre Yedlin heard. As for Taxi Fontas, he gave a statement on social media effectively denying, and not just denying, I think you can say vehemently denying the allegations there, says he is falsely accused. All right, Herc, it's another sad chapter where we see soccer and racism coming together. What's your reaction from what we saw in this game between DC United and Inter-Miami? It's, it's sad on so many levels, especially this weekend. Racism is always sad, alleged racism, I should say. We should do due process here with Taxi Fontes and, and let the information come to light. But it's disappointing because in a weekend where at least the world's attention was on Vinicius Jr. If he scores, will he dance? And, and the underlying racism in La Liga and in Spain and how that was coming to a head. This happens in your bubble, our bubble here, mm -hmm. on our neck of the woods, our sector. To remind you that this is still very prevalent in, in the world. Uh, it's, it's sad because you never want to see this uh, happen. But it's also a reminder that things haven't changed. Not too long ago, it was a, a dimetriary. Um, Diamande, excuse me, Diamante Diamande, uh, LAFC forward who accused a Portland Timbers player uh, of mm -hmm. racism. What came about that? An investigation and nothing else. And then it was, uh, and then it was uh, a Portland Timbers player, Chara, Diego Chara, who accused Fragapan of Minnesota of the exact same thing. And what came about that? It was an investigation and nothing else. So here we are again, another investigation and now you have players, players that a lot of people would vouch for. Yedlin, Andre Yedlin, a U.S. men's national team veteran, saying he heard something, saying it's now up to the league, uh, and how they will respond will be very telling. Here we are again, another investigation. What will come upon this? Because we keep hearing from the league, zero tolerance when it comes to this type of an event. Well, this is now the third time that I can recall in the last few seasons mm -hmm. where there's been this type of event. Will it just get swept under the rug? Will there be uh, nothing was found type of type of uh, notification or press release. It, 
something needs to come of this because it can't just be zero tolerance until people stop paying attention. So you mentioned, Herc, the MLS uh, investigations, and specifically the case with Diego Chara and, and Fragapane of, of Minnesota United last year. MLS did an investigation, and in that investigation, they couldn't corroborate what was allegedly said. So that's why you get no suspension, you get no punishment. Here, at least based on what we heard from Phil Neville and DeAndre Yedlin, just those two guys alone, and I think it's also important to point out what we're not hearing from DC United. If you saw the post-game reaction from Wayne Rooney, it was like, there will be an investigation. I can't say anything more. We've not heard any DC United players coming out to defend Taxi. We've not heard the club really do anything other than a few hours ago releasing a two-sentence statement where they say they'll cooperate with the league. I, I don't think this is going to end very well for Taxi Fontas. Of course, there needs to be an investigation. But, Herc, if all they're looking to do in those investigations is corroborate what was said, it's pretty clear there are two people, at least two people, already willing to corroborate it. I think there's a big suspension coming. The other thing that I took out of this was how it was handled in-game. It wasn't the referees, right? Uh, uh, Ismail Elfath is the center ref in this game. He says neither he or anybody else yep. on his team heard anything. It's not like a league official that stops the game and makes sure Funtas is, is subbed off. It was self-policed here. It was the Inter-Miami players, as you mentioned, DeAndre Yedlin stepping up, and it was clearly Phil Neville and Wayne Rooney coming to some understanding. The players were the ones, Herc, that took care of this in live time, in real time. I mean, I congratulate the players, but it's sad that the players have to police themselves and mm. these type of aspects. And I'm not saying the referees have to be on top of everything. They have to hear everything on the field. They're going to miss things like this. But if it's really zero tolerance and you already have multiple people claiming they hear, heard this uh, racial slur, well, we need to see it because everybody is watching. What the league does now will set precedent. Yep. So uh, I'm sure we will be hearing more from Major League Soccer on this story involving DC United and Inter-Miami. More news from the weekend, Herc. In case you missed it, the LA Galaxy had themselves a day. 4-1 winners over Colorado. I don't know why I said Colorado like that. I was about to say Ticharito because he scored <laughs> his 15th uh, of the season. Uh, but how about Ricky Pooch? Three assists. The first Galaxy player to get three assists in the same game since some guy named Landon Donovan back in 2014. Yeah, uh, You'd have to be a big idiot, a real idiot, to think Ricky Puch couldn't come into Major League Soccer and do well. Like, who would think like that? I questioned his motivation. I never said you. Okay. Well, I, when you say idiot on this show, I just leap into self-defense mode. <laughs> you did get self-defensive right there. Listen, he's a good player. He's very young. He's coming from one of the best setups in the world. Give an opportunity. His, his problems have never been talent. Right. It's between the ears, right? It's him going crazy in the locker room. That's not been the case. He's clearly enjoying his football. And guess what? The LA Galaxy is in position. Absolutely. Here's a look at the uh, top of the West and the East. LAFC won, so they're now tied with Philadelphia in the Supporter Shield race. Also out West, Austin and Dallas have clinched. In the East, Philly, Montreal, and the New York Red Bulls are your three teams that have locked down postseason spots. Then we got more Major League Soccer on television this weekend. It's Portland against LAFC. Sunday, actually a couple weekends from now. Sunday, October 2nd, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on ABC and ESPN Deportes. National Women's Soccer League over the weekend, Herc. What a game, what an atmosphere. 
the San Diego Wave crushing the NWSL attendance record, 32,000. That's right, 32K in attendance at Snapdragon Stadium for their first game in their new home. Jaden Shaw, the youngster with a goal scorer. And then how about this, the huge save on the penalty as San Diego preserves the one nothing win in their first game in their brand new digs and in front of a record crowd. All right, so San Diego getting the better of Angel City on the weekend, but it's been a battle of expansion teams, Herc, so far in the 2022 NWSL season. Who do you think has had a better first year? Is it San Diego or is it Angel City? Well, let, let me clarify. It, mm -hmm, on mm -hmm. the field, it's obviously San Diego. They're, they're okay. leading the league. But bear with me to where I'm going to take this. LAFC is changing the game right now in NWSL. It's very good. 32,000 is an insane number. Mm -hmm. Anywhere in the world, it really is in today's football market, football atmosphere. And for, and for the San Diego Wave to get this is truly something special. But I'm talking about changing the game, mm -hmm. okay? I'm talking about Angel City right now. Before they came into NWSL, they were giving out franchises for two, three million dollars and you get your franchise, okay? They just did an evaluation on Angel City FC that's $100 million. They got $45 million in sponsorship commitments. They're doing well in NWSL, and they're doing this, mind you, without their best player, Kristen Press. Mm. They're completely changing what is the complexion of NWSL and how people view franchises and the potential investment for years to come. 32,000 in one game? That is great, but to sell out continuously, to have upwards of 19,000 for the last eight games you've played in at home, that is something special. They are changing the game right now in NWSL. All right, so you're giving it consistency over the one-time big number of San Diego way. That's fair enough. I think we have to see what San Diego does in game two, game three, so on and so forth. Maybe what they even do next season at Snapdragon, because if you can continue to draw 32,000, that's pretty impressive, right? Of That's course. good. You talk about changing the game. You could say the Portland Thorns for a while were the, the leaders in attendance in NWSL because they had the biggest stadium with the biggest capacity and the most capacity to fill that stadium. San Diego is going to change that game now. They're going to change that calculus. But I'm with you. I think Angel City, if we're talking off the field, has done a lot of good beyond just, you know, the tickets sold, the merchandising, the gear. Has San Diego sent us gear yet? Still waiting. Still waiting, and there you go. The true decisive factor in which team has had the better expansion year, which team got around to sending us gear first here on Football Americas. I think it was, uh, it was Angel City uh, FC. Good shout as well to acknowledge that they've done all that they've done without Kristen Press, uh, but shout out to the star for San Diego as well. They've had a great, great expansion season, and a lot of that is because they bet on the right player to build their team around. Yeah. That was Alex Morgan. A lot of people might have said, oh, does Alex Morgan, does she still have it in her? Is she still going to be Lee hungry? Greer. No. They bet on Alex Morgan, and it has paid off extremely well for San Diego, who right now are the top team in the NWSL table. And for that, as an expansion squad, they certainly deserve a lot of credit. Let's check in on what else happened around NWSL over the weekend. This is an epic goal or epic fail. It involves Megan Rapino of OL Reign against North Carolina Courage. The free kick from distance, Herc. No, 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 no. You, you can't get scored on from there. This, this bounces at least three times. It, it's from way deep. You can't catch a keeper. Uh, Megan, 
She's been killing it, but that's an epic fail. Wow, okay, Casey Murphy. Uh, the goalie who goes in the books there with our uh, epic fail. Here's a look at the top of the table in the NWSL. As we mentioned, the top six go through to the postseason right now. San Diego enjoying a one-point lead in the standings over Houston and Kansas City. All right, parting shot here. Have you heard? It appears that elements in both Europe and the United States have an interest in potentially playing the Champions League final. Yes, the Champions League final here in the U.S. Herc, what do you think? Oh, Bowley, you're at it again. New Chelsea <laughs> owner. It wasn't him? It, was, it, it wasn't him? Uh, I still hate it. Really? Yeah, yeah. You know this show is called Football Americas. Don't we want the, the biggest, best games here? Why are you the way you are? Content, mostly. <laughs> what, 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 to what end? Like, I get the American market is what mm -hmm. everybody wants mm -hmm. to go for. I get there are dollar signs behind this. But why take one of the best games in the world and one of the best competitions in the world and, and ruin it? Take it from what makes it great. And, and put it in the U.S. just because you think it's marketing dollars behind it. Because you want the eyeballs behind it. There is no need for this. Um, our, our production crew jokingly said that would be like taking the Super Bowl and putting it in London, mm. putting it in Germany, taking the World Series and taking it to Paraguay. There, there is no need for these things. Some things are good the way they are. There is no need to try to alter them. This isn't one of those things where it's going to make, like Todd Bowley's idea, it's going to make it better. It's going to help the lower divisions, fund the lower uh, divisions in the pyramid in England. It's not what it's about. This is just straight greed. Yeah. I've never been to a Champions League final. I've never been to a, a Super Bowl either. But you always hear about a Super Bowl that it's not like a real proper atmosphere. It's not a real NFL atmosphere. It's very corporate. I would assume that if you move the Champions League final to the United States, you would get something similar. Of course, you would get fans of the two teams that made the final, but you'd also get a very corporate feel. And I think, obviously, Herc, as much as like as an American broadcaster, we want, want to see this here. We have to think of the fans. We think of our own fans all the time. What about the fans in Europe? This is these are actually their teams and you're gonna ask them now for the biggest game of the season to go all the way across the Atlantic that doesn't sound uh, very fan friendly at least to me all right that'll do it for this edition of football Americas he's Hercules Gomez I'm Sebastian Salazar by the way we will not be back here in our usual time slot on Thursday night no instead we will be up bright and early on Friday morning for immediate post-game coverage and reaction as the U.S. faces off against Japan. It's a game you can see on both ESPN Plus and ESPN2. So again, Football Americas back with you Friday morning after the United States and Japan. It's really early, Seb. <laughs> it is really early. It is really early. Have man. some coffee. I'll have my Diet Mountain Dew. And we'll be up bright and early ahead of the United States penultimate match before the World Cup.